Hi there, I'm talking to you. Yes, you. My name is Sherry, my pup's name is Sunny, and we're training to be an animal-assisted counseling team. You're listening to the Therapy Dog Talk podcast, the show that interviews past, present, and future therapy dog teams about how they're making an impact in their communities. Today we're talking with Manal Kavishwar about her experiences pioneering pet therapy and animal-assisted counseling in India through the Animal Angels Foundation. We'll discuss where Manal sought out research on animal-assisted interventions, what it is like to partner with therapy dogs who do not live with her, and why she became the first pet partners evaluator in India. Before we hop in, if you're just getting started on your therapy dog journey and feeling a bit lost, I've put together a free guide for you, which you can find on my website at freeguide.therapydogtalk.com. Without further ado, meet Manal. Hi, Manal. Hi. How are you? Hello, everyone. <laughs> Good morning to the rest of the part of the world. <laughs> there may be more people from your part of the world on now <laughs> yeah because <laughs> it is so good evening and good morning and <laughs> what time is it there for you it's about 8 30 okay 8:30 p.m PM. right yeah and it's 7 a.m here so very different that's early <laughs> it is good, but, it's good but i can see a lot of people joining in yeah, yeah, I'm so excited. So now I know you have an incredible story because we talked before this, but for those who don't know you, would you like to give us an introduction into yourself? So hello everyone, I'm Meenal Kavishwar. I started Animal Angels in 2003 when this field was, I mean, it was almost unheard of in India. We do have a lot of pet parents and we have a very healthy pet community. And we've grown up around pets, you know, so from farm animals to pets as a part of our household. So pets are, as a concept, is not new to us in India. But the concept of having pets paired with some or the other kind of, you know, therapist or as a form of intervention or for pets to be trained to do this work, that concept was new to India. And when I started, in fact, I was a student of master's in clinical psychology. So I was, I myself was looking for research or some kind of evidence-based study that was before me in India. Unfortunately, I couldn't find anything. So I said, whatever I'm doing, let me at least document my work. That would be a good way of showing it if I find someone who has done it before me to like you know, compare notes. But the study that I did, that happened to be like, that went on to be the first documented research in India. So I'm grateful to my first ever therapy partner, Kuti. So Kuti was a Labrador who I trained in 2003. And she and me were the first registered pet partner teams from India. So she was the first registered and qualified therapy dog from India. And I had trained her to be a part of a school for children with special needs. So she would live with the principal and come to the school every day. And she was with the school for 10 years before she passed away. And the impact that Kuti had, not just on those school children, but the kind of interest that she generated amongst other people. Since it was a new concept, you know, people started wanting to learn more about the wonderful work that Kuti did. And that's how slowly the concept of animal therapy started spreading around. Back then, there were no Instagram, no Facebook, no social media, no nothing. You wouldn't believe I had an album. We used to have the printed photos. So that was my portfolio, my profile to show people that this is the work that I was doing. Because there were no quick videos, no quick photos, no stories, nothing. But with the help of that photo and the research that I had done, I went on to other schools and institutes. And that's how I started, you know, like kind of talking about animal therapy. And then I went on to establish Animal Angels Foundation, which is India's first non-profit organization working in the field of animal therapy. 
And besides that, I have my private practice under Animal Angels Therapy Center, where I do a lot of work right from providing therapy to training to consultancies, a whole wide range. Awesome. Thank you so much. You know, we didn't talk about this before, but you mentioned you started this work back in 2003. Social media was pretty limited. Facebook was just getting started around then, and it was restricted to specific colleges that were able to onboard onto it. And that really brings so much context to your journey, because I know you really went out of your way to connect internationally and train with people like Dr. Cynthia Chandler. And also, I believe you did the level one of animal assisted play therapy as well with Risa Van Fleet, yeah? Yeah, so the fact that you were able to make all of these connections all over the world when it was a little more challenging to connect all over the world really says something to your perseverance and your desire to get connected into what everyone was doing. Yeah, I mean, I was simply looking for more guidance to properly do this, to scientifically do this. And I couldn't find anything here. So the only way was to connect with the international community abroad. And yes, technologically, the challenges were there because email, Google, everything was new. But thankfully, I was able to get in touch with Dr. Cynthia Chandler. She has a very popular home study course under the University of North Texas. But when I had contacted her, she didn't have that. She only had the college level course. So later on, when Dr. Chandler had visited India, she has been my mentor for all these years. uh, And I've learned a lot from her. But when she had visited India a couple of years back, that's when she mentioned that because I was like pestering her to kind of give me guidance. She got this idea of starting the home study program. And that is one of the most popular training programs available if you want to uh, learn about animal therapy. So I'm very grateful to Dr. Dr. Chandler. And all the, I got in touch with NIH, National Institute of Health USA. This was again in 2003 and four because I was wondering if there had to be any guidelines. Again, with no groundwork, this was all the kind of, you know, inquiries or the questions that I had in my mind, which I needed answers. So yeah. I would just like shoot mails to everyone. And yes, I did get a very good response and guidance from the international community, later from IHIO and Pet Partners. Pet Partners has been like a longstanding association. So I'm grateful for all of them to give me that guidance to get animal angels to that level, you know, at par with international community. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that Dr. Chandler was your mentor and then you inspired her to start that home study course. And I think that's just such a beautiful example of a really healthy like mentor-mentee relationship where you're able to give back in that inspiration. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So later on, when I started training professionals in India, I took permission from Dr. Chandler to include her material in my course. So it was her textbook, like her books were the textbook and I would do the practical training. So it was like a full circle where, again, you know, I was able to incorporate Dr. Chandler's work in the training part also. That's great. I've read her book, Animal Assisted Counseling. It is full of studies. Yes. Amazing book. Yeah. Very in-depth. Not a fast read, but a great read. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for us, it's usually like a textbook. So you go back to it, you refer to it. There are so many activities that are given, which you can incorporate. If you're a counselor, that is one of the books that you have to have to at least go through once to understand the final nuances of incorporating animals in your counseling setup. So, you know, all these pioneering people, Dr. Risa Blanfleet, who has incorporated animals in play therapy, Mm -hmm. I'm training to be a play therapist. I've not done her course yet. But again, you know, these are all people who have tried and tested and, you know, then come up with the material that is appropriate for mental health professionals to go through. Yeah. So we have tons of resources now. 
Which is so good because as you know, the field is so diverse and the animals that we work with are so diverse and the therapists are so diverse. So you really need a wide variety of resources for all these different situations that you encounter with your clients. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. Now, how did you first find out about working with animals in your practice? So frankly speaking, I didn't know this field existed. Before the principal of the school approached me to train a dog for the school. You know, she's the ex-principal now. This was about 20 years back. So she had this concept in mind that a school for special needs children would really benefit with, you know, having a dog around on the campus. Mm -hmm. But she had probably watched a documentary on guide dogs. So to give you a background, this is when I was doing my master's in clinical. So I was just like, you know, to the end of the course. But I was also doing dog training and dog behavior on the side as my personal interest. And that's when, you know, I was contacted by the school to train a dog for the school. So what she debriefed me was that, you know, maybe the dog could help children navigate around or pick up stuff. And I was like, that's not what these children need, because these were children with intellectual impairment and other associated disabilities. The concept that she had in mind was that of a guide dog, probably. So that kind of flamed my interest or my, you know, it intrigued me further that, okay, can I do this? Can I train a dog as an emotional support for the children? Because what they really need is acceptance, which is lacked in society. And these were children from the municipal school. So, you know, the economic class of those children whose parents wouldn't really be aware of all the mental health services or benefits that their children could have. So that was the group that I was supposed to train the dog for. So then I thought that having a dog which would help them in their emotional support or social acceptance would be more meaningful. So that's how I started looking up for this. And then when I researched it further, Google was new back then again. So, you know, most of the research was trying to find books. That is how as a student of Masters of Clinical, that was a primary training. Find books, find research papers. Google was new, but still it was very helpful because I got the right resources. I got the right research papers to understand that I was from the right background. Being trained to be a clinical psychologist and also having knowledge in dog training and behavior, I could bring these two together to at least put forth some proper scientific program if I wish to. And that's how my journey started. Then I trained Kuti. There was no one to teach me how to train a therapy dog. I had to do it. I had to email Dr. Chandler back and forth. I had to reference different books. And basically, it was Kuti who taught me what to do, what not to do, because the way she worked with children was so natural. I had to pick up things that, okay, this is what is required. This is what is required. And, you know, it is more of her and just me facilitating that behavior. So that was my learning process. And that's how I got to know about this field. I got to do some documentation about this field and train Kuti to be the first therapy dog. And when I saw the response from parents of these children, that they were so happy and grateful that Kuti could bring about this change in their life, it prompted me to begin my journey in the nonprofit sector. As a fresh clinical psychologist, like, you know, the first choice was to go for my own practice. But, you know, this experience prompted me to do something on a much larger scale for those who didn't have access to mental health nor to pets like Mm -hmm. healthy pets. So the children who typically came to that school wouldn't have their own pet who would say be trained to be a therapy dog. They wouldn't have that access. Or their parents even wouldn't know about certain mental health services that their children would benefit. So that became the target group for our foundation's work, reaching out to those who cannot afford mental health or pets. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. how I started my journey. That's beautiful. You mentioned that Kuti really taught you some of what you needed to learn in terms of training a dog for therapy work. What were some of those lessons that she taught you? 
most importantly, what Kuti taught me was to trust her to take the lead. And that is something I follow even today with the new dogs that I train or the handlers that I train to work with their dogs. That sometimes we get so caught up in controlling the dog or making the dog obedient that we fail to understand that why we bring the dog in the setting is because the dog has more senses or sensory inputs than us. And if you trust your dog and work with your dog in a way that you let him take the lead to respond to certain situations, you know, you'll just be amazed. You just have to step back and then be the facilitator guiding the child and the dog. But letting the dog respond to what the dog is perceiving in that situation is very, very important. And this goes beyond basic commands, basic training, you know, just like, you know, listen to me kind of relationship. You really need to have that tuning where you can trust your dog and let him take the lead. Whether it's a crying child, whether it's a child with autism, well, like, you know, I mentioned to you that we worked at the airport. So mm-hmm. ours was the first program on the airport of comfort dog programs at Mumbai International Airport. So yeah. even there, the dogs would go to people that they sensed would need this. And that was so amazing yeah. because that was completely out of the clinical setup. This was an airport where people were just like waiting for their flights. But somehow the dogs knew who to spend more time with. And people will literally keep their passports and their tickets and everything on the side. Forget about it and just be with the dog at that moment. So trusting your dog is very important. That is what Kuti taught me. I love that. That's such a beautiful lesson. So from there, how did you end up involved in Pet Partners? I know you're very involved now. I somehow feel very responsible for this field in India. So I know that I can't be the only one responsible. It's like a collective effort. But what I have always tried to bring in is some kind of standardization to the work that is done here, to the systems that we have. Since we don't have any, you know, like structured guidelines. I know even in US, you only have the norms and the guidelines given by NIH. And everyone works in their own sector, in their own area of expertise under those guidelines. But here we don't even have that nor do we have very clear guidelines for pet parents and pet ownership. So there's a lot of gray area that can very quickly turn this into something that is not appealing. And I don't want the field to lose that scientific base, you know, or what it stands for at its base. So my vision has always been, or my focus has been to bring the standardization in whatever work that I do. And Pet Partner Program for handlers and the dogs has been very well known all across the world. I've been associated with them since 2006, four to six in that time range. But I've seen their program also grow. The current handler program is very well designed to educate a handler or a pet parent on how to work with their dog effectively, what is required for their dog to qualify. And this is standardized all across the world. So it is a very good way to educate people in India also that, okay, if you want to train your dog on your own, you can do that. But there has to be an external evaluation which can evaluate and certify the skills that the handler and the dog has. And that's what Pet Partner brings in. And if I could do that through Pet Partners, then I think it's a very good way to establish that in India. Yeah. To bring that standardization. How many teams have you evaluated there in India? Currently, we have three teams that are evaluated, but we have almost five lined up. I'm the only evaluator in India and India is a large region. So the travel part and, you know, the location of all these teams are in different states. So it'll take time. But post-COVID, yes, I've got a very good response from various teams doing work in different fields, not just in mental health field, but also medical health field. So that's amazing. That's really incredible. Now, when you think about this journey that you've had, is there a story that stands out to you where you're like, this is why I'm doing this work? 
there are so many moments where you see either the child or the person completely you know having that moment where you believe you are limited by some or the other disability or some or the other limitation and then the animal comes in and literally makes you forget about that and there there is this new outlook that the person has which the animal was able to give him so maybe i'm not able to put that in the right words but let me think of an instance maybe till then you can ask me the next question because <laughs> there are two many stories coming in my head but i'm trying to pick one hmm well now i'm on the spot what am i going to ask next <laughs> Okay there's one case in my early days I can remember of there was this child with down syndrome who at the age of 3 and a half was still not able to walk he had other complications also while growing up and during birth because of which you know his muscle toning and his ability to hold his upper body was not developed even at the age of 3 and a half and he was undergoing physiotherapy for almost one and a half to two years so you know that was also going on but he had reached a stage where he was aware that if he tried to walk he would fall and get hurt mm-hmm. right so when children are very young they will fall down and they will try and do it again because they don't have that sense of getting hurt so he needed a very strong motivation to make him to use his limbs or to use his upper body strength and lower body strength so we had a small pug back then called genie who was paired to be his therapy dog and that was one of the first individual cases that i worked with so with the help of genie we could create the bond the pug was tiny he was perfect fit for the small child so genie uh, motivated him to hold on to something and stand up and pull his weight that was the first thing that we saw then slowly he started like side walking holding on to something again all of this was because we paired activities with genie in a way that she was the motivator and he would follow her and then eventually he would hold her leash and hold on to the walker and then walk or you know move around in the house till a point came when even the house was kind of small for him to move about with genie then we took it outside and then it was just like he found his feet and he was able to run and again it was all a process but yeah. to be able to see genie do that for him from the point that he was not even able to sit up on his own or stand up on his own to be able to take his first steps on his own yeah. and today he's a grown of child he's 16 plus and he can dance he dances very well and you know he's just like a thriving child and i'm so so proud of his and genie's bond and what genie could do for him so you know that is one thing that has really made me believe in the work that i do yeah it's a beautiful partnership i know you often partner with dogs who actually live with someone else and have their own families what has that been yes. like for you to work with a dog where you don't necessarily have i don't want to use the word control but really you're not with them all the time like they have their own family home environment and everything and then you bring them into work and work with other people with them what has that been like for you so that kind of has come out of the need of the situation since we work mm-hmm. across regions mumbai pune bangalore and we'll be probably starting with one more city the thing is that i cannot have all the dogs living with me <laughs> even currently i don't have my own dog i live with eight cats but no dog and i have always worked with partner dogs you know dogs belonging to other families and the nature of our organization is where we partner with family pets and involve the families in the work that we do this has also brought about a lot of awareness in pet parents about what their pets can do more than just like being at home so mm-hmm. the key here is to be able to develop an equal 
bond that you would yeah. have with a pet living with you and i'm blessed to have partner dogs like scotty who was one of my longest working therapy partner he was a golden retriever and he passed away in the first year of pandemic recently at 12 12 plus so mm-hmm. you know even though he didn't live with me i've trained him since he was 8 months old so i've seen him grow up from 8 months old to about 12 years and he would know when i would come to pick him up for work he would know when i would come to just like spend time with him in his garden so you know we shared a great bond and so was my bond with rex or goldie goldie was one of our pioneering therapy dogs i had brought her home as a pup to be placed in an institute as a therapy dog but she had to be rehomed twice before she found a stable family so she was raised by and taken care by a different family but the mm-hmm. bond that we shared was incredible and she was my therapy partner in every new avenue where i introduced animal therapy so animal therapy for children with special needs she was there as the therapy dog animal therapy for post traumatic stress she was there for that animal therapy in hospitals she was there animal therapy for airports she was there so she was that dog who was there with me for every new implementation of a program that i did in india so yeah i mean it is challenging you want to go home or you want to take them home with you but it's also rewarding you can share a very beautiful bond even with a pet that is not living with you yeah how did you help grow that bond with those dogs spending a lot of time with them even beyond training so you know whenever it was time for them to come for therapy work or for their sessions we would always see that there was time before and after that where we could spend time just hanging out with them and being with them also it came out of that organic relationship we had with all the families so yeah. all the pet parents that are associated with us is like an extended family we've known them for about mm-hmm. 10 year 12 years and their dogs have grown with us so yeah. it is not a temporary two year partnership we have been with the pet parents and the pet parents have been with us throughout the journey yeah that's really beautiful well mina i know we're coming up on the end of our time here is there any advice that you have for someone who's wanting to get into this work okay so now in fact we have tons of resources and there are some really good programs whether it's a university based program or a certificate based training or practical training that you would want to choose from online courses so there's ample of resource when it comes to training i would just want people to pick up the right you know resource and focus on what you know that scene from harry potter always comes to me if there are any harry potter fans out there i'm um, sure there are <laughs> what comes to you naturally like for harry flying was a natural thing for him he didn't need to learn that okay. so if you can harness that part in you that comes to you naturally and then pairing that with the right animal you know it brings out the best in both you and your animal partner Yeah, right. So if you think children is where your, you know, connect is naturally and if that is the field you want to work in, then you have to look for a animal partner who is equally good with children. Mm-hmm. If you want to work with seniors, then you have to find an animal partner equally good in to work with those kind of people. So getting that natural match. Yeah. And that is that. that is important. And resources are there that you can, you know, access anytime anywhere. Yeah. I love that. That's such great advice. Well, now thank you so much for your time. Thank you for everything that you're doing in India. I know you're touching so many lives and getting to cuddle so many animals along the way. <laughs> yes. And we have also started working with therapy cats. So that is again a new extension of all the new things that I get to do here.
Yeah, I look forward to hearing more about that as you go along that journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, have a great rest of your evening. I know you're wrapping up your day. And thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. And have Take a care. great day ahead of you. Thank you. Bye. All right. Thank you so much. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Therapy Dog Talk. If you did, please do me a favor and leave a review and rating on the podcast platform of your choice. If you have a guest that you think would be a great fit for Therapy Dog Talk, send me an email at hello at therapydogtalk.com. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.